Um, really quick note, as we're going around the room, you'll have to tap your microphone button once um, to get it powered on. But I'm Brianna Tool. I'm a planner here with the city. I'm Erica Kubli. I'm also with the city um, neighborhood services coordinator. Uh, I'm James Pierce. I'm the new guy. Um, uh, have served on a, uh, one city commission before, and then I also served on a served on and lived in a housing co-op, affordable housing situation here in Iowa City. Um, so affordable housing is something that's been interesting me for a while. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit of me. Recording in progress. Hi, I'm Carol. <laughs> and um, this is my first commission to serve on, but I have a special interest in affordable housing. Um, both personal and professional. Hi, I'm Becky Reedus. Um, I have been retired a couple years from human service work in um, most re recently in Iowa City. So this is my first commission also. Welcome, I'm Marianne Dennis and I'm retired. I was a, worked for affordable housing developer, nonprofit. Hello, I'm Kyle Vogel. Uh, this was also my first commission, but they have willingly allowed me for somehow I have made it through the funnel to, to be allowed to serve for a second term. So I just started my second term. Uh, I own a property management company in town uh, that, I mean, our base is probably about 30 to 35% affordable housing units. So, um, and yeah, so that's what got me into being here, so. Hi, my name is Kieran Patel. Um, I actually work for the county in the real estate department at doing GIS, I, but I, this is also my first commission. I, fourth month, second term though, because uh, I finished up the, uh, an unfinished term. Yep. Uh, welcome, my name is Cale Bining. I work in uh, landscape construction as well as affordable housing and this is my first term. Stan Lopperman, work for the city as the senior housing inspector. Thank you all. <laughs> uh, thank you all, agenda item number three. Um, we'll need to elect a chair as well as a vice chair. Are there any recommendations? I'd like to nominate Caleb for chair. Second. Hold on. Second. Do, do we need a Vote. You can ask if there's any other nominations, but if there's not, then you would vote on it. Are there any other nominations? Um, may I have a motion to approve myself as oh. chair? <laughs> so moved. Elect by unanimous consent? Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes. Um, next, we'll need a vice chair. Are there any uh, suggestions or volunteers? Would Becky like to do that? No. Uh, okay. I just want to say uh, the subcommittee is more than I can handle. I mean, not more than I can handle, enough for me to handle this year. So thank okay. you, but no. I'd like to nominate Marianne Dennis. Accept the nomination? I would, I would accept that nomination, as long as Caleb shows up most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I second that. <clears throat> the nomination or that Caleb shows up most of the time? <laughs> Both. Yeah. 
I try my best. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Um, are there any other nominations or volunteers? All in favor of, um, or may I have a motion to um, vote for Ms. Dennis to? So moved. Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes. Thanks. Thanks, Caleb, too. Then on to agenda item number five, are there any public comments for items not on the agenda? You skipped over the minutes. Apologies. Uh, agenda item number four, uh, consideration of the meeting minutes from May 18th. May. Approval of the minutes. Yes, second. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes. Uh, agenda item number five. Are there any uh, public comments for items not on the agenda? There aren't any public comments. Um, agenda item number six. Uh, Commissioner Vogel has requested that the City Housing Inspection Services staff uh, present information on what issues uh, staff have been seeing during inspections that are affecting the access to housing. Uh, let's take the opportunity to hear from Stan. Great, thanks for having me. Um, I took the opportunity to print out uh, what was in your packet, the guide to a successful rental inspection. If you would like a copy, feel free to grab one or I can hand one to you. Otherwise, uh, we'll just use these in the office. So if you'd like a, you need a paper. Well, I'd like a paper one. Yeah. Anyone else? Well, I was going to have him just pass him down old school style, so. I, I read through it earlier. That was really good. Yeah. Because I figured we could. So, yeah, if you had a chance to read through it, that's great. Um, so, a little bit about housing inspection. Um, so, housing inspection oversees the systematic inspection of the licensed rental units in Iowa City. Uh, currently, we have roughly 4,500 rental permits and 20,000 units. Um, it takes, uh, those units are inspected on a yearly basis or every other year, uh, depending on the type of structure that uh, it is. Um, older multifamilies or multifamilies that were constructed without sprinklers are inspected every year. Um, single families with four uh, or more bedrooms are inspected yearly and then everything else is inspected every two years. Um, on top of that, we oversee uh, nuisance complaints. We're seeing about 2,500 to 3,000 nuisance complaints a year and that can range from tall grass and weeds to snow on the sidewalk to trash cans and trash in yards, uh, vehicles not parked where they're supposed to be. Um, and then our department also does the inspection for HQS or for housing assistance. Uh, we do roughly 2,000 of those inspections a year as well. Um, the guide to a, a successful rental inspection kind of gives a, a broad overview of what we look for. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a minimum housing code uh, in that we're looking for some very basic items, but very important items. Um, walls are there, windows are there, electrical outlets are there, uh, correctly installed uh, smoke alarms, fire extinguishers. And then it kind of gets more nuanced as you go through it. Um, 
probably important to note what we don't do, uh, and that is we don't get involved with lease issues between tenants and landlords. Um, landlords uh, not giving proper notice, that's not a housing code issue. It is a violation of a tenant's rights, but it's not something that we oversee in our office. Uh, we're happy to have a conversation with a landlord, but we don't have any authority to, to police or enforce anything with that. Uh, when leases expire are another thing that we don't have any say over in, in that that's a lease issue. Um, so some of that, we do get those calls. We try to help people as much as possible, um, but um, anything that's not in the housing code realm really isn't things that we can deal with. Um, typically what we're seeing on our uh, inspections and uh, things that uh, prohibit people from getting into housing is um, some very basic things like smoke alarms and fire extinguishers not in place or not operational. Uh, we're seeing a lot of moisture issues right now. Uh, and then uh, as we're dealing with housing assistance, um, uh, anytime that you have uh, kids under six, uh, we have to be careful that we're not putting kids under six in, in housing uh, that's older than 1978 because of the lead-based paint hazard uh, probability. Our inspections are a little different. We don't identify lead-based paint. Uh, we don't go in that in depth. Uh, but anything pre-1978, we have to assume is lead-based paint. So anytime those painted structures or surfaces are, are not intact, we have to assume that's lead-based paint in pre-1978. So that becomes a barrier at times for people um, housing. One of the last things that uh, we tackled was radon in single family and duplexes. That was in 2018 when we reviewed that. Um, that came about, we were seeing a lot of properties change hands uh, as rentals, and there was never any evidence of a radon inspection or radon mitigation. And we could see in that neighborhood that there was a lot of radon mitigation taking place, except in rental properties that would a lot of times change hands outside of the open market. Um, in Iowa, there's not a requirement that a radon test is done. Um, most private home sales, though, uh, there was a radon test. Uh, so we felt that was an issue that we needed to um, take up in the, in the rental inspection, and we did. Um, COVID slowed us down a little bit in that. We, um, it was supposed to be happening right during that first uh, 2020, the first wave. Um, so we kind of balanced out. We didn't want inspectors or additional inspections going on in the property, so we waived that for another year. Um, by January 2024, we should have uh, all the properties inspected uh, that were had current licenses and mitigated. Has that had any effect on budgeting for you guys? Because I know you also <laughs> weren't collecting fees for a period of time while you were trying to get caught up. That was my is question, all? is who pays for this? Who pays for the radon? For, for the testing? Yes. Yeah, the landlord is responsible for the testing. So the, the radon test itself is 125, 150, depending, depending on, on who you work with and what sort of deal you make if you're doing multiple units. Uh, mitigation is probably 1,000 to 1,500, depending on the situation. And that's landlord also? That is a landlord responsibility. Is there yeah. an interval inspection once So the intervals are um, every eight years uh, if you don't have bedrooms in the basement, every four years uh, if you have bedrooms in the basement. So does your department 
um, just sort of monitor the city to see where there might be neighborhoods where there's radon oh. or do individuals call and say hey I think there's a problem here? yeah so it's it's really interesting you could have properties side by side and there's no correlation between uh, their radon levels it all deals with construction and cracks in the slab of the of the foundation or the floor in the basement or, or, or all of that there's multiple factors that don't really help us you know pinpoint that yeah this area is high in radon we've had some extremely high ones but um, yeah overall we've had a good response have you tracked at all what that return has been on far as once we started requiring inspections how many of those have resulted in necessary mitigation are we at like 10 percent yeah no we idea. haven't okay well, i would say probably anecdotally probably 15 20 percent okay yeah Wow. Um, outside of that, there's nothing really on our agenda that we're looking to um, change our housing code, um, kind of maintaining status quo right now. There's multiple other issues that we're running into. Um, there's always issues with mobile home parks and mobile homes. Um, a lot of times our housing code doesn't come into play in that because people own their mobile homes, so we're only doing systematic inspections on rental properties. So the fact that you're renting the lot, that doesn't give us the authority to rent or to do an inspection on the mobile home. Um, and there's a lot of ways that people have found creative ways to make sure that we're not involved in any of those transactions. We see a lot of properties being sold on contract, um, especially in a mobile home park. So in that case, it, it doesn't require a rental inspection how has how has the landscape of, of uh, Airbnbs I mean have we, have we seen any major issues in Iowa City yet uh, post Airbnb yes yes past the state okay yeah. so uh, if you don't know the state came in over top of all cities and said anywhere that we allow residential property we have to allow short-term stay uh, in turn, we've seen an uptick in um, Airbnb. Uh, the state also said that we cannot charge for their inspection and we can't put any additional restrictions on them. Can you require them to be rental permitted? No. No. Okay. No. Because it was Airbnb. I remember at first yes. they, you had yep. to be an Airbnb right. and you had somebody had right. to live there, but that. Right. So our policy was has been that we will inspect and we insist on doing an inspection uh, that we don't charge for but we feel it's in the best for the community interest that those properties have had someone look at them to say they're in compliance with the housing code um, we're seeing pockets of it uh, where uh, someone comes in and buys up multiple units uh, on a street uh, and it's created some issues um, it's kind of tamed down uh, as they become more proficient in managing them, but um, yeah, I think that, I think they're taking you know a few affordable housing units off the market, honestly. Which is what you see elsewhere in the yeah, United States. Right. I mean, yeah, it's that, the that same. is yeah, yeah. Um, parking with those, I mean, I guess because that's I mean so part of the rental permit process is requiring enough parking. I mean, they, they don't have no a control permit. over they that. They have to meet yeah. the housing code. And the state says we cannot put any additional restrictions on them. So okay. we've had some parking pressure. We've had some parking issues, uh, especially with the short-term um, 
occupant, uh, their consideration for the neighbor might be a little less, especially if they're in for a game weekend or yeah. just a good time downtown. Uh, yeah. They'll park in the yards and, uh, you know, not be as friendly as, say, a longer-term tenant in a neighborhood. So the somebody would have to call the owner? Yes. Fine. Yeah, I mean, or I mean, they could still get issued a disorderly house, but there's no ramification to that because it doesn't require a rental permit. Yeah, so a permit can't be pulled from them. There's, there's no revoking <laughs> right. a rental permit. Yeah, they just pay a fine if they get a fine, and that's it. Right. Correct. Which will go to the tenants typically. Which yeah. Right. So back to lead based. If you see a house that was uh, built before '78 and there's young children living there, and you see that there's some flaking paint and stuff. How long does the owner have to remedy that? So our issue is we see that typically on an inspection for housing assistance. So we will not pay for that assistance until that is uh, remediated. So uh, nobody can move in? Correct. Okay. Right. If someone is present, yeah, we work with them through, you know, different means to make sure that that it gets remedied. Uh, but the, the only the only place where that comes into effect is with uh, housing and assistance. So then if there's a condo building that has like four or eight units mm -hmm. and one of those is a rental, mm -hmm. do all of the units in that building need to be inspected? Yeah, so we, uh, we license the structure. So yes, if there's multiple units, even if some of them are owner-occupied, okay. they need to be inspected. Or we have a provision where you can uh, self-certify as an owner um, that you verify that smoke alarms are in place, that you have a fire extinguisher. That's kind of one of the concessions that we make to owners. And some of the newer townhouses like Peninsula aren't because they have the separation or whatever between. Right, so what you have is you have the fire separation between the units, right. so what you're doing in your separate unit isn't gonna have that great of effect on your neighbor. Uh, they're multi-family townhomes, yeah. which, yeah. But most of, probably 90% of the condos, condos in Iowa City, yeah. Are now have the fire. Yeah. Yeah. So then for complaints, um, do you keep track of if the if a tenant's complaining or if a neighbor's complaining not uh, not on a systematic basis oh. no uh, we track our complaints uh, they go into our uh, software um, so we can pick up on patterns sometimes sometimes we pick up on neighbors that um, maybe aren't coming with the uh, best of intentions <laughs> mm -mm. yep and uh, we pick up on that okay I, I do know years ago, you guys had done a really deep study on complaints and like how many of those were coming from rental properties, how many of those were coming from owners. Are you still keeping track of that we at still, all? We still have that data. We really haven't went back on okay. that. We also did a deep dive into where complaints were coming from right. based on census tract. And what we found out is if there's one thing we do well in Iowa City is we complain. Yeah. So uh, it was scattered throughout the city. So that was good to see, I guess. Right. That it, didn't matter about your economic or where you lived. So if somebody has a complaint about a homeowner, yes. then what, what's a person's recourse? Do they call it? So we have an app um, called ICW Express. Express. It's the best, I use it. They got a file on me, I'm a complainer. <laughs> we track Becky in multiple ways. Yeah. yeah. What's it called? ICGov Express yeah. is what it used to be. Is it still the same app? Yeah. 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 Oh. So that's probably the best way to complain in that there's accountability for you and there's also accountability for staff. 
Uh, and it also guarantees it gets to the right place quicker than uh, as opposed to calling me, okay. who happens to be going on vacation after tonight. So if you call me, it might sit there for a little while. But if, but if you go through and use the technology, or you can go to the website, there's a report of concern. Um, and as far as owner-occupied, yes, uh, we take complaints um, on owner-occupied as well. Um, they still have to be in compliance with the housing code. It might be a, we don't have as much authority to do an inspection of the property, but from the, from the street, if we see something, we can, we can address it. So you have public nuisances and you have private nuisances. So if you, you're sitting in your you know, back porch and you look over your neighbor's fence and there's something that bothers you, that's kind of a private nuisance. <laughs> I don't have access to that as the public. So um, that's kind of, there's a line there too. And you have five inspectors? There's ten, we have a staff of 10. Uh, so we have Two. five uh, inspectors that do um, systematic rental inspection. And then we have two uh, inspectors, uh, not full-time, 1.62% um, that do nuisance complaints. Uh, we have a scheduler. Uh, and then we have uh, two individuals that handle housing rehab. For rental housing inspections, is that the same in-depth inspection as any other kind of inspection? Does so, that question make sense? Yeah, it does. So oh, we no, What I was meaning to ask, sorry, um, excuse me, senior moment. <laughs> um, for um, the housing choice voucher inspections, is that as in-depth as a regular rental inspection? Yes. Okay. It's the same inspection. Okay. There's some changing, there's some changes that are coming to that and I get the privilege to learn about that here uh, August 7th and 8th. So, okay. but at the same point, it's, I'm sure it's going to be pretty much the same inspection. Okay. You know, uh, uh, I just have a thought um, about Airbnbs uh, because you said you can't, I, I am concerned about them taking affordable marketing. I'm also concerned about them driving up the price of housing sure. too. And a number of years ago, I know that in Cedar Rapids, for instance, um, they had an ordinance about the number of complaints or maybe the number of times police were called and they could revoke a rental yes so is that no longer that's what i would look yeah so we have that you for have rental that properties okay but you have to realize the state came in over top it really came in over top well that's like, what i was yeah. wondering is if all of the state did yeah, there away is, with all of that yeah there is that's really unfortunate yeah so what uh, data from like the new nuisances or the rentals is publicly available all of it is available what format is it in uh, how would you like it? <laughs> Since I know you work in GIS, I can, yeah. Yeah, we've plotted it over time and uh, okay. we've, we've, we've done reports, you know, and tracked, you know, complaints from rentals versus owner-occupied. Yep. Yep. Cool. Yeah. I, I don't have, I can't give you anything of note at this point. I haven't looked at it recently, but. Okay. Yeah, we do look Could at I, that. Oh, sorry. Is it identified by locations or are actual homeowners? Locations. Named? No, location. Okay. Yeah. Parcel number. Parcel. How? I hate that. <laughs> How am I but you can go to, to GIS know? and just click I, on the parcel to give you all the information. If you would, if you would well, like the parcel. No, it shouldn't be so hard. Um, how, many, how many rental permits are pulled a year on average due to, I mean, do we have an intrinsic problem in Iowa City with 
with over and over regular behavior-ish, behavior problems with certain properties or? Yeah, we're probably too uh, lenient on that, honestly. Uh, we typically go the citation route uh, and work uh, to get the property back in compliance. Um, recently, we have placarded houses uh, a little quicker. Um, there's something about what happened in Davenport that makes you reevaluate things that you do. Yeah. For example, we had a car run into a 12-plex uh, on Finkbine Lane on the west side, um, and we were probably quicker to placard that uh, than we were in the past, and we've learned a lot from that. Um, the landlord doesn't have a problem with that typically uh, because if he's insured correctly, that allows him to collect revenue. Uh, it puts a lot of um, strain on the tenants who are, who are required to move out. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. When you placard something, yeah. then it affects everybody. Right. Yep. So if you don't have renter's insurance or you don't have other things in place, yeah, that's, that's or problematic. a lack of affordable housing, yep. then that creates another problem. Yep, right. So okay. it's something that we have to use, but it's something that yes. we don't want to use just because, you know, a landlord is being, you know, prickly with us. Yeah. Um, we had another instance uh, on South Gilbert Street where we had two set of stairs going up to four units one set of stairs had fallen completely apart and we were working with a landlord to get this repaired over a period of nine months. Well, the second set of stairs started failing, um, so we had to placard. Uh, it was incredible how quickly uh, he was able to get it fixed <laughs> once those notices went up and he knew he couldn't. And we, we also have a, a placard for rent abatement where we say, after this point, you don't have the legal right to collect rent from your tenants. And that's through state code, um, and we use that also very judiciously. Is that until they fix the problem? Right. Yeah. So if you have a situation where it's, it's fairly safe, mainly safe, mm -hmm. uh, and it'd be more of an issue to move tenants out, we have the ability to go to rent abatement. Are uh, tenants advised? They're actively aware of everything that's keep, going. To keep the money in their account and pay the full rent once it's over with? No, with rent abatement, they do not have to pay. This isn't, we're going to escrow until it's fixed. This is, until this is fixed, you do not pay rent. Wow. And we've used that probably. Uh, Iowa code says that, 562A says, for the period of time that you cannot use the property you rent, you don't pay rent. Mm -hmm. So. We've used that about four or five times in the, in the past six years, seven years. So if a building, a little larger than what you were talking about, has two staircases mm -hmm. that were in disrepair and needed repaired, but there was an elevator in the building, would you, would you placard that building? Um, not knowing all the particulars. Okay. An elevator can't be used as the primary um, means of egress. Uh -huh. um, you, you still have to have stairs that function, so, yeah. Oh, okay. Anything new, International Housing Code? I know you guys only look at that every few years to see if there's any. Yeah, it was just updated. I don't okay. think there was any okay. major changes. Um, you know, I, you know, and as some of you, you know, I mean, I joined, I, I put my name up originally for this commission because in the commission description, one of the descriptions of this commission was to work with housing inspection to determine and create policies. 
Um, and so that I, I appreciate you coming. I, I know you're heading out again for for a trip, but. Um, I just kind of wanted to be able to have that opportunity because I feel like as a commission, it's supposed to be part of our, our part of our job is to have that occasional update to see if there's sure. things that you can recommend. Um, yeah, so I appreciate the time. I, I know it was and another, I don't know when another, that was another put meeting. into the commission's. <laughs> my time here. Well, yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. And I think it predates my time here too. So, yeah. And I, I think, think it predates. Apropos, though. Yeah, and I think it predates the time, you know, we, our departments merged um, 15, how long ago? 10 years? I don't know. Seems like yesterday. A period of time ago, our departments merged. So I, to even have that in there, I, we weren't, you know, we were housing inspection services, uh, yeah. and I don't think we were even aware of that charge that was given to HCDC at the time. So. Well, I mean, I obviously, I, I, I would love to have this be not a, every month thing but you know maybe once a year yeah happy to do it I, I think I think you realize how important housing inspection is to affordable housing right um, I, I mean in finding that fine line of you know what makes people safer but then also doesn't raise the cost of doing business so right. much that you no longer have affordable housing um, I mean I've I've been lucky enough to actually literally work with Stan since we both started at our respective jobs within the same month 23 years ago um, so yeah I mean it, it it does make a difference there are some things that that can seem like a big thing but uh, when you have properties that get placard it's you know it, it does affect more than just the landlord it absolutely affects the people that are involved and um, and those tools are can be useful they can be useful yeah. but I also mm -hmm. think you, you got to be careful not to overuse them or uh, especially in this in, in this climate, I think the state will come and remove that uh, our ability to do that. So, but I think I don't I don't think I'm talking about. I have absolutely reached out to Stan and and his predecessor even before him, when I have had clients that are not being as responsive to requests that we've made that saying you know hey the city's saying you know ah, we get pushed off. I've absolutely reached out and said what can you do to help me get these things taken care of. So it's it's nice to have. A relationship and a teamwork with the city that that does allow us to mm -hmm. to get things done without being too heavy-handed yeah. so and to yeah. Kyle's point they there's a landlord association that uh, they meet nine times a year and I make it a point to be there to be available uh, they're not always happy to see me but they're also <laughs> but we keep inviting you back that's right they're yeah. very happy that I come for my meeting so um, yeah I think that's important um, yeah, another component I'd kind of like to touch on is um, the unhoused community, community that we're seeing. Um, it's kind of starting to play into code enforcement and some of the other stuff uh, that we do. Um, so we work closely with Shelter House and Street Outreach to identify uh, camps and um, make sure that they've had um, communication with Shelter House to try and get them into uh, appropriate housing. Um, just kind of off the cuff, they, they feel that there's at least 55 uh, community members that are street homeless right now. Um, so as we work with um, code enforcement and um, receive calls from uh, property owners about encampments along the river and in different places, that's, that's been an aspect of, of that I haven't been involved in uh, up until about two years ago. So um, it's, it's, a, it's incredible. We're trying to, 
uh, approach it from a holistic standpoint as opposed to just chasing people out from bridges, but to work with them to make sure that they're getting the services they need to get them you know, into supportive housing uh, as opposed to just uh, moving them around. But it's, it's getting to be a bigger issue. Well, I think we're fortunate in Iowa City that we have your department because I know there's smaller communities around the state that have no sort of rental housing inspectors at all, and there are people. Yeah, and there there are people who are living in substandard and even dangerous yeah. rental housing. Yeah, that really don't have any recourse. How many other <clears throat> how many other actual scheduled inspection permit departments are in the state? Because most are complaint only. Right. A lot of them are complaint only, and then you get into um, their schedule is five, six, seven, eight years. Um, so, um, and then they run into the issue of they get this far and they feel they're behind, so they just start over at the beginning of the list again and, and never get to some properties. It, it's cumbersome. I'm fortunate that I took over for a, a very mature uh, program. Uh, a lot of the the big battles were fought in the 80s and 90s by uh, bigger people than I, and um, there's been a lot of you know, older property managers that have moved along that were part of those decisions, um, and fortunately we've been able to maintain a, a successful program with you know, a lot of cooperation, um, so that's important. But like Quad Cities, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't even think Cedar Rapids has a... Cedar Rapids has a, a systematic, but it's like seven yeah, or eight yeah. years, yeah. So. Well, I, I appreciate the kind of uh, department and the services Iowa City provide too, and in cooperation with the nonprofit sector because right. we're lucky to have you know the um, facilities that uh, house them. But I'm interested in the encampment encampment numbers. Um, so you said there are about 55 um, homeless in camps, and uh, that's grown. That so do, do you keep some statistics on how that's growing? Because, you know, and I know Chrissy's um, sitting here in the audience too. I, I believe, I, I'm going back in my memory, and it's not very good anymore, but um, I believe at one point with the 501 project that, that we were closing that gap. And so I'm a little surprised, and then not surprised at all because of the housing situation that that's growing. But I'm wondering, you know, in the past 12 months, in the past 24 months, how, how have we seen that grown in terms of the number of people that are um, living off the street? And I do appreciate that we're not moving them around uh, because I think that that's inhumane. So. Yeah, that was, that was a number, anecdotal number that was thrown out by street outreach. Uh, okay. I think part of it could be more awareness, honestly, um, oh. as we're out there more. Um, but as far as the historic numbers. So our, our awareness of how many yeah. homeless folks yeah. uh, are people without homes? Okay. Yes. But yeah, that'd be interesting. To, that's a number I'd like to monitor periodically, right. just you know, get thrown at us in terms of what, what are the numbers living right. in camps and the numbers that are not being s provided services. Right housing services, rapid rehousing, whatever, through shelter house, DVAPs, right. through the various programs that we have. That would be interesting to, to keep a watch on that also. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't there, um, I think I was reading in part of the packet that we do like place and time yeah. studies. Yeah. Yeah. Right, that's outside try, of. Where we try to get an yeah. assessment of like, 
how many, and I know Cedar Rapids does it as well. Um, they try to get a pretty accurate assessment of. Once a year, I think. Once a year about how many people are like actually, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's outside of my domain. Yeah, and, and again, maybe at some point, I'd, I'd like to maybe it's uh, in the future have, um, you know, whether it's Shelter House, Shelter House and Company, other organizations talk about that, how accurate that number is, you know, what that gap is between um, all the housing services we have and the people who are still without housing. Um, I think that would be an interesting thing to keep track of. And if we're seeing a big uptick in it or yeah. not. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know I can talk to you all night. Another time. I appreciate you coming this yeah. evening, so thank you. I'll send a message through um, the app, so no. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I have your number. I'll see you at George's. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I'm as well very, very grateful for the political information that we just were able to uh, learn and discuss. Thank you again. Uh, agenda item number seven. Uh, the city's unsuccessful delayed projects policy requires CDBG recipients uh, to expend a minimum of 50% of funds awarded by March 15th. Uh, Shelteros will now provide HCDC with a brief update on the project that uh, happened to miss that checkpoint. Uh, the shelter house HVAC improvements. <laughs> yes, you are not Stan. <laughs> I am not Stan. I am Chrissy Canganelli with Shelter House and here to provide an update on, I think it's an FY22 project. Can you speak a little louder? Is that better? Is How? it red or green? It's green. Okay, it's I'm just picking up for the feed. I, I don't think it's connected to the rooms. How's this? Oh boy, okay. <laughs> okay, um, I just have some notes. So uh, the original budget for this project was proposed at $625,000. That dates back to about December of 2020. Um, the actual project when it came in um, with bids and was awarded was $667,865. Um, we have three funding sources for the project, City of Iowa City, which CDBG funds at $225,000. Iowa Finance Authority had COVID response emergency solution grant dollars at $242,865, and the Housing Trust Fund of Johnson County, $200,000. Um, with respect to the CDBG funds, um, we've expended at this time, $185,098 or 82% of the funds and have remaining $39,902 or 18% of the funds. Um, renovation began last this past spring. Um, the project is 80% complete and is expected to be 100% complete in September. Uh, the delay in the final completion is due to a supply chain issue. There are two components that I don't know the names of that have to do with the fresh air exchange for the overall system, um, and those will not be available until mid-August. Um, 
The good news is, is that the system is fully operational, uh, even without those components. And um, not only have we had consistent hot water, because we replaced the hot water uh, pump, um, or the hot water heater, excuse me. Uh, we have hot water that supplies the entire facility. We were not always consistently having hot water. Um, so we have hot water to service the kitchen, the laundry, and the showers. Um, but now we have a fully operational HVAC system online. And this is the first time in 12 years where people have literally complained about being cold in the shelter during the middle of the summer. So that is a great improvement, uh, we believe. Um, Let's see. I think that that probably covers everything that I have to report. Uh, Brianna has been attending our construction meetings. And if you've got any questions, I'm happy to respond to that. And also the questions that were happening before in the conversation, because like, I, it was very hard for me to sit on my hands and not respond. <laughs> Are we allowed to ask questions from before like that? I think if we want to do, we should probably stick to the agenda, but if that's something you're interested in, we can always add that to a future agenda. Future one then, yeah, that'll be fine, thanks. We'd love to come in and talk about, we'd love to come and talk about street outreach. Yeah. So thanks, Chrissy. Do we need to do anything with this or just say that good job? I, I don't know. Since they spend 82%? We, we missed the, the mark though. Yeah, typically when we're bringing projects like this to you, you would have the option to recapture funds. Um, as staff, we usually make a recommendation whether to recapture or not, and in this situation, we've not recommended recapture, so. Okay. It's up to you. Is there a motion or anything that needs to happen? You don't need to make a motion okay. um, unless you feel strongly that it shouldn't proceed, but. No, no. No, it sounds good to me. It, I feel like she's proven some very uh, strong progress points that would make a recapture and not make sense. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Cassie. Yeah, thanks, thanks, everybody. <laughs> See you soon, I hope. Okay. Yep. Good night. Uh, agenda item number eight, uh, the home ARP allocation plan amendment. Uh, the current standing home ARP allocation plan has been approved by HUD. However, alt alterations were suggested uh, to ensure future compliance. Uh, projects and funding al allocations have not changed. Uh, may staff provide a brief overview? Yes, so we are amending our home ARP allocation plan and it's actually an amendment to our FY21 annual action plan. Um, the city received about 1.8 million in home ARP funds through the American Rescue Plan Act. And in order to use those funds, we have to submit this home ARP allocation plan to tell HUD how, that, how we're gonna spend that money. Um, we completed the plan last fall. You guys, well, some of you that were on the commission then participated in the funding allocation and determined who will get that funding. Um, our plan was approved by HUD, but then we subsequently got a new HUD rep and a new um, field office director. And so they took another look at the plan and had some improvements for us to make, I guess, some areas that needed clarification just to be in compliance with the new program. Um, I think the changes are largely administrative. We didn't revise any of the funding to the agencies. That hasn't changed at all. It's just kind of the details in the plan in order for us to be in compliance. So some of the updates um, that we added, there's narrative about how the projects meet the identified need in the community. So just tying that to the needs assessment that we did a little better. 
Um, we clarified the preferences served, if there's any limitations to those preferences and how agencies determine who is up for eligibility through their programs. Um, home ARP serves different categories of qualifying populations, which would include people who are homeless, people at risk of homelessness, um, victims of domestic violence and other groups. So this is a little different from our other programs, so it's a little bit of home and a little bit of more, more intense um, details, I guess. And so um, we're just having to be more specific in our plan about who we're prioritizing for funding, which is just kind of wordsmithing and making sure we're just hitting all the points that HUD wants us to meet. Um, we also had uh, to resolve a fair housing concern regarding a preference for youth experiencing homelessness for the UAY project. Um, it wasn't a concern that we had, but they wanted us to reach out to the fair housing and equal opportunity division of HUD. Um, and we did, do, we did do that and they responded and said it was okay. It just took a very long time to get a response from them. So um, they, we, they just had to um, confirm that we're not violating fair housing by having that preference for youth. Um, so we've been working through those details with HUD. We got the go ahead to resubmit for their approval with our new field office reps. Um, we have one more thing we're waiting on guidance and it's just uh, whether it's a, what kind of priority it is for the program. We already know who we're serving. We just need to know how to set it up. Um, so we'll probably have that change this week. Um, but again, we're not gonna change how we're spending the funds. We're just revising the narrative of the plan. Um, so this is a brand new program. The rules are very complicated. I would not have set it up that way, but I understand that HUD's trying to meet um, people who have barriers to housing, very specific categories. Um, so Cassie in our office is our grant specialist and she's been doing a great job of putting the plan together. Um, we met with our HUD rep and a home ARP expert on Friday. Um, and so they said once we complete this, they think we'll have the best plan in the state, which is good to hear. Um, and they're really excited about our projects, especially the DVIP shelter and how that matches our community needs. So that was great to hear. Um, next steps, we're in our public comment period that's required for the amendment. Um, and then with your guys' blessing, we'll take this to city council on August 15th and then resubmit to HUD. So we, we've seen this before, correct? Yes, you saw this last fall. All right. And we approved what's in here. Yes, and so you guys did the, you did the funding round and you determined who was gonna get the funding and okay. then the plan went along with that. Okay, so this is basically just wordsmithing. Uh, yeah, it's just administrative changes to make sure we're in okay. compliance. So do we need a motion to accept or to recommend the, um, uh, I don't wanna call them wordsmithing, um, revised plan? Revisions, yeah. Yep. Um, and it's this is the revised home ARP allocation plan or yes, so action the, plan? The revised home ARP allocation plan, which is part of the FY21 annual action plan. Okay. So can I just so move? No. <laughs> I'll just move that um, we accept the revisions um, as presented by staff for the city's home ARP allocation plan. Is that good enough? Yeah, and if you guys are okay, there may be that, I mentioned there's that one thing that we may have to update um, once we hear from HUD, but it's very administrative. It's not gonna change any outcome of the plan. So that's kind of a caveat. I just have a question. Sure. And it's more of a curiosity. Um, for some of these organizations that were consulted for um, some input, um, there were quite a few of them that said no specific comments were provided. And I noticed some of those being ones that I would have thought would have. Is there a reason for that? 
Um, they may have just been at the meeting that we presented at and they didn't have any direct comments for staff. Um, so they might have been part of a larger group that we presented okay. to. I think that was like, like the local homeless coordinating board, we did a presentation, we asked for comments, but not everyone would have had comments at that time. Okay. It wasn't just like a blank survey or something. It was Sometimes it, part it of a group. depends on who agencies send, um, whether or not they feel you know, compelled to speak up or it can also depend on if another agency has um, indicated um, one of those comments too, that's why they're not in there, so. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I second the motion, by the way. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes. Can I What's the $200,000 between what we've received and what we're expected to make available? Um, is it the admin, for staff admin? Oh, I don't, maybe. It just said City of Iowa City received a total of $1.789 million in funding and expects to make $1.52 million in ARP funds available. Yep, we hired a staff member to administer the program and so we'll pay, uh, it must be 10% of or however much they allowed, um, we pulled the admin out. Yep, that's, that's, that's what that would be. So admin is like staffing. Um, for agenda item number nine, are there any staff or commission updates? I have an update um, on the subcommittee. Um, so uh, we've met three times. Um, we continue to work um, um, forward. I have met with um, the county to talk to uh, Lynette Jacoby about, um, so I'm gonna back up a little bit. I'm chairing a subcommittee to review the process for providing funding to legacy and emerging agencies. So we have um, three commissioners on that subcommittee. We have four representatives um, that are with the Agency Impact Coalition and then staff and United Way has also joined that so I've met a, uh, met a, a meeting, when I say I met, it can be a phone meeting or a meeting in person. So I've had a couple meetings with United Way, um, one with United Way, um, and United Way attended our last meeting and will probably be involved at this point um, through the, so it, it's, been, it's been a good, um, I, I think we have the right people um, right now. I've been um, pleased with our progress so far. Um, uh, I did, there, I would like to um, be on the agenda for, I guess it would be September because I want to talk to the commission and get some feedback for um, one of the uh, goals that we're looking at and we're trying to determine if the commission reviewing it as a whole is the right process or if we should create a smaller group of people to um, review that. And I think that we need to get some commission input on that so i'd like to have that on, as an agenda item for september's meeting so i have a question uh -huh. um didn't we talk earlier about getting minutes from this no committee? we no we never talked about that and i know because i've asked that question do we have to take them and we don't have to take the minutes um if you want some minutes i we can probably get somebody to record, I don't know. Um, but we don't have anybody recording them at this point. I think Nikki's been taking notes of She's been taking notes, um, but she, she, they aren't minutes. So, um, you tell me, but no, nobody's ever requested minutes. We need to get with you then and find out what happened at the last meeting. Yeah. The, I would be interested in knowing like who's 
involved. Who's who's coming to the meeting? Okay. Um, I mean, if we'll have to figure out how how to take minutes because I can't do it and I can't no, I can't I yeah that. I can't run the meeting and do it and it's tough to get somebody who so these meetings how they're recorded and who do you one of you two have to transcribe and do the minutes? No, I think the city. I think we contract someone or we pay someone to transcribe the minutes. We edit them, but we don't do the transcription. Is it is it possible to do that for, because I don't have any problem with doing minutes. It's just finding somebody to record the meeting is gonna be the problem. Well, and I would never expect the chair to also take minutes. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. I just think that. Um, A record of what happened would be good. Yeah, and I, and I who agree. Is, who's involved? I so, think that would um, but yeah, I raised that, Marianne. Um, did we need to take minutes? And I was told no. So, I that. yeah. Well, and that's fine. But I, like I said, then. But going forward, I don't have a problem with figuring out how to do it. Um, and I'm not asking for minutes, Becky. I'm yeah. saying, if you can just tell us who's involved. You know, I mean, you have different meetings, and you know. I'll I'll ask Nikki if she can do some okay. notes of the major highlights of uh, the people who attended and the highlights of the meeting. Yes. Would that be good enough? That would be perfect. okay. Perfect. Thank you. Yep. No problem. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Okay. So um, with that, um, uh, we are. Um, so I would like a t an agenda item, as I said. Um, this comes out of, the question is that staff have a difficult time getting all the commissioners to score and to do this timely. And I do, personally, I do think that if we are requiring a deadline of the agencies to apply that we should be adhering to the same thing. So I think it's worth us discussing what are the roadblocks um, to getting those scores in on time and should, should we, and what are some alternative ways in which we can look at that? So staff have um, asked that to be um, one of the points that we look at. And so I would like this commission to talk about that so I could take that back to the group. Um, in August, we, our next meeting is going to be in September. In August, we are going to meet with the Agency Impact Coalition to get feedback from them. And um, the questions that we are ask, asking them uh, came from staff and then one came from the commission. And that's if the agencies prefer the joint pump funding process or if um, you know, they'd like to separate. And honestly, I think we're kind of past that now with United Way willing to make changes and such. I think we're okay moving forward um, with, with United Way. But um, we'll still um, work on these questions. Um, second one is what are some of the ways to make the funding process more manageable for all involved? And this is from the agency's pr perspective, remember. Next one is thoughts on shifting application review to an internal working group. How would they feel if we had a smaller group, not the entire commission working on the, uh, the uh, scoring process? Um, so that wouldn't take the commission out of it. It'd probably take the, the, there would be recommendations from a smaller group that would come to the larger commission and the commission would ultimately make the um, recommendations. And um, thoughts on adding and removing uh, legacy agencies. And then final ones would be suggestions, suggestions that they would have for how we can educate commissioners better on the, um, individual agencies that are receiving funding. So 
Um, if you have any thoughts and want to send them my way, if you don't have my email, you can get it from Brianna or Erica. And I believe it's August 15th. We haven't sent the notice out yet. So, um, uh, so that's where we are. And um, I think I see from the timeline that we will be done. The, the date I'm working for is our January meeting. Is that right? Yep. That's um, actually, I think I, you gave me a little bit longer because I think I was kind of shooting for November. So I'm kind of thrilled <laughs> to have a couple more months. So well, thanks for taking that on. Uh, it, it's, it's a lot, lot of work. work. Yeah. It's a tremendous amount of work. And but it's something that I and if at any time anybody has any thoughts or you want to share anything with me, I'm more than open to um, taking calls and and, you know, having listening to to what you want to talk to me about. Thank you. I have some staff updates if nobody else is going to jump in with anything. Um, in your packet, you'll see a letter from HUD about our caper from last year. This came much later than normal. We're getting ready to do our caper again. Um, so context for new members, every year when we do all of the activities and everything that you've heard about with our federal funds, at the end of the year, we submit kind of a closeout report to HUD called the caper. Uh, and they review and approve that. So we got our final approval letter from HUD for the caper last year. Some highlights from that was that we met our timeliness goal, which was really difficult to do the last couple years. And I know a lot of other um, cities struggled with that. So we were pretty proud to meet that deadline. And then we also have expended quite a bit of our, almost all of our CDBG CV funding. So that's winding down too. Yes, yep. Uh, other updates, you saw the calendar in the packet that you mentioned, Becky, all that's subject to change, but at least there's kind of a framework there for you. From the last meeting, we added in an update from the Iowa City Housing Authority. We're hoping for that in September. Um, and then we plugged in some other learning opportunities too. Um, if there's other things that you're interested in, like uh, tonight with Shelter House, we can certainly try to plug those things in throughout the year. There is a memo from Stephanie Bowers about an intercultural development opportunity. I would encourage you to read that letter. And if you're interested, you will reach out to Stephanie directly. Um, a couple other boards and commissions have done that and I've heard positive things about it. There's no information that would be shared with me as a staff person. It's all just like an individual development opportunity. So feel free to participate in that if you're interested. Um, she would need to know by July 31st if you're gonna participate in that. And then lastly, the last thing I have is there's no meeting plan for August. We had a fall break plugged in, but when we come back in September, we'll be bringing the caper. It sounds like Becky has some things she wants to cover. Um, so that will probably be a little bit busier meeting. Anything to add? That's all from us. Thank you for, the, for having um, the staff presentation coming forward for the Housing Authority. I appreciate that. Thank you. And can we plug in um, something from, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, thank you. Can we plug in something from Shelter House and, okay. I think that'd be great, thanks. Awesome, and uh, agenda item number 10, may I have a motion to adjourn? So moved. Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Adjourn.